I felt so nervous for some reason. I've never interviewed someone from Habitat. Oh, I feel so honored that I'm the first person. <laughs> Good. What up, everyone? We are here for another exciting episode of Do Good, Feel Good. And to continue the special month of International Women's Month, we are welcoming Dawn Daniels McNear to the podcast. She is a very important and special person. She has done a host of amazing things that we're going to cover in today's podcast, but she's also going to talk to you a little bit about how you can serve in your everyday life. So welcome to the podcast, Dawn. Thank you for having me, Lauren. Of course. So I first asked Dawn to come on the show because she is a co-leader of one of our ERGs at our organization where we work, Habitat Community, but all thoughts are our own. Um, This is not a podcast (laughs) sponsored by Habitat. Um, And then I found out she does so many amazing, cool things outside of Habitat that we decided to steer in that direction. So Dawn. Would you like to give us your bio that you wouldn't normally provide like for a, a speaking opportunity, just like a more real version of what you'd like to highlight? Yes. So if anyone were to ever ask me who I am or what's most important to me, um, I would say I'm the mother of three unusual, phenomenal young people. Um, I have a daughter who is an undercover sheriff. I have a son who is an IT professional. And then I have a 12th grader. Uh, So or actually 11th grader. So I am all over the place all the time. Um, And I have worked primarily nonprofit all my life, uh, because I have a strong belief in doing good, just doing good just in general. And I like getting paid for it. That's always a plus. I mean, you know, everyone says the nonprofit sector is where the big bucks really do come in. That's why we do it, right? Oh, heavens no. No, No, but it feels good. And you can live, you can support yourself. I have a quick question. I don't think I've ever heard of an undercover sheriff. Like in in my mind, when I think about a sheriff, it's like the key, like chief police person in town. But I think that's probably not Uh, right. It's a deputy sheriff and she runs um, undercover drugs and guns. Oh, wow. And, and that's her, her thing. So for her, she called me the first time she bought her first crack because she was so excited to tell me about it. And (laughs) she had bought pounds and pounds upon pounds of cocaine and motorcycles and just all these things. She's just a phenomenal young lady. So was she um, involved in like theater and school or is it something no. that you have to just, that's, wow, no. that sounds very intense. None. And she's the nicest, kindest, politest young lady you'd ever meet. She plays semi-pro football. So she's a pretty neat young lady. Okay. Well, that could be another podcast for another time. <laughs> um, Dawn also sent me a list of things that we could discuss on this podcast and they're all there, like, I feel like each one of them could specifically be a podcast of its own. So aside from being a mom, which is, and loving service, which are two of your favorite things, um, 
I know that you were a gang counselor. Mm-hmm. So how does that work exactly? Did, were you out of school or you can just tell us a little bit more about it? No, I worked for an organization called Huckleberry House in Columbus, Ohio, and it is a house for runaway teens. And we use volunteers who agree to go out when teens run away from home. If they show up at different grocery stores or places or fire stations, a volunteer will come and get them to get them off the street and get them to our house. Uh, We had a gang uh, department and my job was kind of to connect with the local gang so that they would leave our house alone and the young people who were runaways at our house. So I spent a lot of time just outside hanging out with the gang in the neighborhood. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so like it was obvious who was a member of the gang and you kind of had to get your foot in with the gang members and then mm-hmm. like establish trust. Mm-hmm. And just talk to them. I I have always had a passion for young people, teenagers. um, And I feel like I connect really quickly and easily with them because I I don't bull crap at all. So I'm very straightforward and honest. Wow. And speaking of teenagers, you were also a surrogate mom for pregnant teenagers. Yes. So (laughs) I'm just going to go around this list because it's seriously a lot. Um, Children's Services had a couple young ladies who did not have a mom figure and they were pregnant and they needed someone who would go with them to their doctor's appointments, um, go with them to their Lamaze visits, be there when they had their baby and then be there afterwards for all of the questions that they would have. And I worked at a home for teen moms during the night shift and I would wake the girls up to feed their babies and it's really difficult to get teenage girls to wake up in the middle of the night to feed their babies. Um, so yes, and I, I've helped two girls deliver their babies. So it's very cool. Very, do, you very still, cool. do you still have relationships with them? No. Okay. No. Is uh, it hard to work in these like situations and maybe like cut off ties? Yes. And yes, definitely. Um, because you get to know them on a whole different level, but when people stray off, um, there's a point at which you have to cut yourself off because it's enabling and you're Mm -hmm. no longer assisting them. So, wow. Okay. Now let's go into, you are currently on the board of an anti-human trafficking organization. Are most of these organizations in Georgia? Cause I know the first one you mentioned was in Columbus. Um, let's see. Nope, they're all in Columbus. I, oh, okay, the, cool. The charter school is in uh, Georgia. Um, Life Beyond the Streets is an anti-human trafficking organization in Columbus, Ohio, and I've been the board chair for two years, and I know the CEO. She's a really, really good friend of mine, and she was human trafficked for a good part of her life. So when she was able to escape and become sober, she decided she wanted to start this organization and she reached out to me to help her with it. So we we give out uh, food bags to the women who are prostituting out on the streets. We give uh, condoms, hygiene 
uh, since COVID has started, we give COVID items. We also do a retreat once a year, a three-day retreat for women who have been six months sober who were human trafficked. And at that retreat, we do facials, massages, Zumba, oh, wow. we journal. Um, it's out in the woods. So we do some blind walks, some blind trust walks and things like that. And oh it's gosh. just to get these women out of the city away for three or four days at a really nice cabin that has a pool and a hot tub and all these things. And people donate um, people donate their services, the facials, the massages, the man who owns the chalets in that area is donating part of the cost of the chalet this year. So that's amazing. It's very cool. It's, it's really rewarding work. It really is. It, it's amazing to hear the stories these women tell, because when I think of human trafficking, I think of the movie Taken mm -hmm. and it's just like that which is so scary to me. And when they escape um, these situations, how do they end up finding your organization? Um, the young lady who's the CEO, she drives the streets and she talks to all of these uh, women who are prostituting and she puts her card in everybody's hand. Uh, she gives them clothes, she gives them, she finds out what they need and she stay right here. I'll be back or I'll be back tomorrow. Are you going to be out here? Uh, being sure that if wow. they're going to be out on the streets, they have a coat, they have shoes. Um, so it's like a real like grassroots organization. Like there's probably no like comms department that's afraid of branding. Yeah. It's just definitely getting in touch with women. And yes. wow. So I have a question. You, it's, you work with a lot of organizations um, where you have to see a lot of pain and like probably help process pain with these individuals. So how do you stay like grounded when you're hearing all of these stories? How do I stay grounded? Um, I think I do all this type of work because I'm not so far removed from all of this. Um, I ran away with, I, when I was in school, I had my first child, I was unmarried. Um, I've been through sexual trauma. So all of these things are close to my heart. So I, I completely understand. And for mm -hmm. me, I want to be able to show people there's a way out and there's, there's a way forward and you'll be okay. You'll have bad days, but you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like sometimes like when you help others heal, it provides like a little bit of healing for yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that's why a lot of people who are drug counselors were also once drug addicts. Right. Um, and it, it gives you a bit of credibility because people Definitely. know that you've been where they are. But would you think that your own experiences are what led you to do this work? Mm, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't know. I've, I've, I've always wanted to be a social worker in some way, fashion or form, but I've done, I mean, I've been a comedy club um, waitress. I've, so toys, you know, those parties that you do with the toys, <laughs> I was a toy party salesperson. Hmm. Um, so Head Start, I've worked with children. I mean, it's just passion for me to help people just mm -hmm. any way that I can. So even for me, toy sales to me is education. It's, it's providing education that yes. I think women need to know about themselves. 
I agree. That is super interesting. So it sounds like you also kind of manage like four careers at once on top of being a mom. Yes, I like to stay busy. Mm -hmm. And what would you say to like moms out there who feel like super overwhelmed? Do you have any like pro tips on how they can still give back if they don't have the capacity to have all of these extra curriculars like you do? Give back at the easiest place you can. So for me, I have a child who's in the 11th grade who plays tennis. So giving back there looks like me driving uh, other students for tennis matches. I would go anyway because I want to see my child, but yeah. I'm giving back to the school. Um, give back to what you're passionate about. If you attend church, go to church a little bit early and uh, greet people. Um, make it a part of what you normally do so that it doesn't have to be an additional burden on top of all the other things that you do. Mm -hmm. I like that. And also, I just want to um, point out one other thing. I feel like because you've had so many diverse experiences and all these different job roles and met so many people through the process, I, I, you really always feel like one of the least judgmental people, even though sometimes you have like a straight face. So I'm like, he hate what I'm saying? Um, it might seem different in 3D since I've never actually met you in real life, um, only on Teams. But I think it's really cool how people can share their stories with you and um, not feel like they're like exposed or judged. So I appreciate that. And I think it would be cool if you hosted one of those toy parties for the women in the workplace group. We can discuss that at a different time because I don't actually, <laughs> she's like, no, the answer is no. <laughs> Something to think about. We'll just toy it over. Um, okay. I want to ask about a few more quick things. And this has been like the craziest podcast because you just have so many different initiatives that I didn't know which one to focus on. So if at the end or like at any time you want to, return to something and go into it deeper, please do. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about the charter school? So here in America's Georgia, um, it's been six or seven years that furlough charter school was started. We have, it's, America's Georgia has 18,000 people. So we have uh, one high school and two middle schools, and I'm not sure how many elementaries, but for some of us in Americas, the public education was not suitable. So my children, when I first moved here, were homeschooled. Oh, wow. And um, actually, they were homeschooled out at Koinonia Farm. Um, wow. Which was very cool. So um, so they started, somebody, someone started, a group of people started the, the charter school. And then it kind of met all of the needs of the homeschool group. So we all uh, enrolled our children in the charter school and it's a project-based charter school. So everything that they do is based on projects. So as a high schooler, my 11th grader, if world studies there in they're studying civilizations, they may have to for a project uh, create their own civilization. And then in Spanish class, they're also learning Spanish about different civilizations. In English, they're reading something that has to do with world civilization. So That's um, in the younger classes, it's really cool. They did, um, they bought chickens, uh, <laughs> they, they bought baby chicks and they hatched <laughs> them and they, they had to use math to build the, the cages Whoa. for, for the, 
the chickens and then they sold the eggs. So they had to do math for that. They read books about chickens. And so it goes across everything that the young person does in the school. So that's very and, cool. And there's 500, uh, 543 kids from kindergarten to 12th grade. Uh, we just graduated our first 12th grade class last year. So, and there were like 30 some. So my, my daughter's in the 11th grade and there's probably 40 people in the 11th grade. And how many teachers are working at that school? And do they teach across different grades? No. No, wow. we have we have we have a lot of teachers in in the twenties, twenty, thirty teachers maybe. Did some of them come from the other high school to the charter school? No. Okay, <laughs> I don't know why I just wanted to know that like, maybe this is like the cooler school. It definitely sounds like it because they're learning so many tangible skills that they'll actually be able to use in life. I, I feel like I would have enjoyed my school experience much more if I was learning something like holistically that way. I probably would have been less concerned about like popularity and more interested in like seeing like the full like circle of a project. Yes. And they're required to do service learning. You are required to volunteer every year. So the older kids volunteer in the younger kids classroom. So my daughter is assigned a fourth grade class that she reads to. She hangs out with. She helps do homework. Uh, last year, she had a kindergarten class. She helped young people learn how to read. And it's mm -hmm. to foster that responsibility that our older kids have for other people. I love that. So. This is making me more excited about Americas. So you're also on the DNI committee at that school. Mm -hmm. um, is like, what would you like, what are the demographics of Americas? The Demo uh, Americas is probably 65% African-American. Our school is probably 3% African-American. Wow. So uh, a lot of what I do is I'm working to convince African-American parents that this is an option. This is a good mm -hmm. option. This is something different. But people have to see people going there before they'll take the, ch the chance. Mm -hmm. And we have to have test scores to show people that our children are testing better and things like that. So do you think there's like a certain stigma like associated with charter schools or like yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, we had a big there was a big to do when the charter school started because the public school uh, school board and parents felt that we were taking money away from the public education. Mm. Oh. That's interesting. And yeah, we are we are our own state school now. So we are our own school district, even though we are one school, we're a district. So how like how I feel like that must have been like so so difficult to figure out all of the like regulations to get the charter to be, even become a charter school. And now you have to work to dismantle all of the stereotypes associated okay. with charter schools and but there were wow. enough people who were interested who want it to be there. And Georgia has a really strong Georgia Charter School Association that works with charter schools to get started. And they give seed money and they have um, a person who's assigned to you to help you get started and the checklist and just all of that. So. That's super interesting. <laughs> I'm learning a lot. So actually I would ask more, so what defines a school as a charter school? That might be a stupid question, but I honestly, I don't, I've never really talked to anyone who's been associated with a charter school. 
Hmm. What defines a charter school? I don't know. I don't know. We don't we don't receive funding. We we are a, a regular public school, but we don't receive tax monies or anything like that. Um, every charter school has to have a a thing, whether yeah. it's uh, like we're we're project based. Um, there's an all female African American uh, charter school in Atlanta. There are charter schools that are focused on STEM. Um, so there has to be a focus for it. And to be and remain a charter school, you have to, what we call beat the odds, which is your scores have to be higher than the local public school in your area consistently to stay a charter school. Wow, I feel like I could ask like 30,000 more questions about this, um, but that is super interesting. So if you, is there anything that you wanted to cover that I maybe didn't touch on from your different careers and um, not careers, your different initiatives? No, I mean, there, there are a couple other things that I do for fun. Yes, let's talk um, about fun. This is do good, feel good. So it also has to be fun. Well, the Rylander Theater Authority and we are, the Rylander Theater is 100 years old this year. And what we do is programming for the theater. It's live theater, um, a community theater for uh, Sumter County. And my most favorite thing that I do every year is the Wine, Women and Chocolate Walk, which is put on by <laughs> the City of Americus. And we we sell tickets to 300 women and they get to walk around downtown and taste 12 to 15 different wines and matching chocolates that go along with them. And it is the best fun. You see 300 inebriated women just walking through town, downtown, and the trolley takes people where they want to go and all of the businesses join in and provide like chocolate martinis. The, oh my the, gosh. The jewelry store had dig for a chocolate diamond. So everything is all chocolate and wine oriented. And what time of year does this happen? We normally do it the last Feb, the last Saturday in February, but because mm -hmm. of COVID, we had moved it to Mother's Day, but COVID's gonna move it again. <laughs> so we'll be in October of this year. We have people who come in from Florida, Alabama, Chicago. We have people who fly in just for the weekend. That is so cool. So for everyone who doesn't know, um, Habitat for Humanity was founded in Americas. So there's like a huge, I don't know if it, there's a pretty big population of Habitaters there. Um, and I honestly didn't know much about it at all. I, I always wanted to go because I wanted to know where Habitat was founded, but I didn't know there were so many other cool, interesting aspects of Americas because I know that there's like one coffee shop. That's what I've heard. Mm -hmm. Cafe Campesino. And it, we don't need anything else. It's okay. kick Starbucks. It's so much better than Starbucks. <laughs> Do they have alternative milks? Yes. Okay. That was my main concern, honestly, with coming there. I was like, what am I going to drink? But maybe, um, and I know everyone out there in the world who doesn't work at Habitat is super interested in this, but maybe we could have our staff retreat in America since so many people haven't gone. 
and we could do it in October and we could go to that wine and chocolate walk. And then like the only two men on our team could just do something else at that time. Well, we have men Uh, who go. There's some, well, there's different places downtown that have activities for the men while that's going on. And Habitat does have, just for your information, we do have housing when um, our staff people come from other places. We have free housing for you guys. I'm going to look into this. So mark my words, everyone out there listening from our team, even though none of you listen except for Audrey, I'm going to figure this out for us. Um, okay, so you've mentioned some things that moms can do when they don't have a lot of time but can still get back. But do you have something for the average woman, maybe if they don't have a kid, just any easy thing that someone could maybe do in the next week to give back? Because we like to provide a challenge going forward. I would say there is always a young person who needs someone to listen to them. So I think it's a little bit harder to do now because of COVID, because I would have said anytime you can go and volunteer to school, you can read a book, you can help in the lunchroom, anything like that. Um, But there is something to do everywhere, everywhere. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's just everywhere. I don't even know how to explain it. Um, I would call 211, which locally uh, will get you connected to a social service agency and you can ask, what can I do? If there's anything that you want to do. If you know what your passion is, whether it's young people, old people, animals, there are things you can do. Awesome. So you don't have to go crazy and and join all of these initiatives or be right. on a lot of boards or start a charter school. You can start small and like find out what you like. Yeah. Awesome. So we're going to have Dawn back in the future because she does have um, an interesting story. Um, and I just, one of your brothers, I am going to bring this up since it's basketball season for at least March Madness, which I honestly, um, the losing and the very last person in our office bracket. But one of your brothers played for the NBA for 11 years and is now the mm-hmm. voice of New Orleans Pelicans and has a daily ESPN radio show. So if you were to compare that show to this one, which one's the best? This no pressure. Definitely, definitely this one. Yeah, sure. I agree. We're because definitely... <laughs> they have me on it. My yeah. brother has never had me on his show. He doesn't want me on his show to talk about him. Have, I... have you asked? No, I know he wouldn't want me there because I, I, I'm the jokester of the family. So I have stories to tell. Well, if I tagged him on social media and said, it's time for Don to come on the show, would you be, would you hate it? No. Okay. We're going to see what we can do with our, our huge audience. We're going to get Don on ESPN. <laughs> He's going to be like, what in the world have you done? He's like, Dawn? who is this yeah. like? And he's the baby, so he's 10 years younger than me, so he won't be surprised. Okay. Um, Okay, well, at the end of every podcast, we always talk about um, what is, we talk about our mission statement. So I know I didn't add this question because I wanted to throw you off guard a little bit, Um, but do you have a life mission statement? Hmm. I People are always like, why do you tell me this in advance? So maybe I'll start. Life mission statement. I don't think that I have one, um, but I'm not a ridiculously religious person, 
but I do stand on uh, Joshua 1.9 that just says, God is with you, whatever you do, you, to me, it's like, I can't fail. The only way I can fail is to not do it. So the sky is the limit. Try it. If you, the failure is in not doing it. So I'm going to try everything. If it fails, I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? I love that. You got to try. That's awesome. All right. I hope that you, everyone remembers that going into this next week. Because um, these are challenging times. But you can do something for yourself and you can try to make that change that you want. And if you don't succeed the first time, you can try again. Try again. You're probably not going to explode or anything. Yep. Don't give up because somebody's looking for you. You have something that somebody needs. Awesome. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, John, for coming on the podcast. I hope that you oh, had you're fun. Oh, you're welcome. Yes, this is cool. Thank you. Thank you, you very much, Lauren. Of course. Okay, bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Feel good, feel good, feel good.